from know to nothing ontological oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. Although it isn't news at this point that artificial intelligence is advancing at a rapid rate, it is certainly in the news. The latest development to grab headlines is the debut of ChatGPT from OpenAI, which specializes in a compositional structure that allows it to communicate easily with humans while accessing the collective knowledge of mankind up until 2022. Today we'll put the AI to the test by asking it the same questions that I asked Norm, and a follow-up episode will discuss the implications of this new technological development. <laughs> All right, so um, long-time listeners will know um, I did do a podcast on AI about a year ago with uh, Keelan Cooper, who yes. was, um, yeah. you know, he's on a on a board and is a scientist and developed it and he's he's done all kinds of stuff so um if if you listen to this and you're interested in that sort of thing you can go back to that episode and uh he he was a real interesting guy a lot of a lot of good information i want to have him back on at some point but um for this one we'll we're going to cover ai um at a basic level and then there's going to be a twist where um i'm going to interview you and then after you answer a question i'm going to ask uh chad gpt and see what its answer is. And then we'll kind of discuss that before we move on to the next question. Okay. So all right. <laughs> we'll start out at the most basic level, like we always do. What is artificial intelligence? It's really interesting phrase because artificial intelligence implies that it's intelligence that has been made or created. So there's an artifice to it. But it implies also human-made intelligence because people I'm sure in very spiritual disciplines would not argue that our intelligence is artificial, even though in some very deep way, if one is a theologically based person, it has been created and therefore was formed and therefore was artfully made. So artificial intelligence in the sense we're talking about is an attempt to develop a seemingly conversational structure so that one can ask a machine a question and the machine can answer and then one can follow up and the machine might adjust. In other words, it, 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 it is an attempt to insert a machine into the mode of human thinking. Yeah, so that's an interesting um, take on it because you alluded to the technical side of it, but you also alluded to the, the human side of it, which is this, this deeper um, thinking about what intelligence means, what that term means. So I'm curious if um, Chad uh, GPT will come up with uh, a similar sort of answer. So um, let's, let's see what it says. Sure. Artificial intelligence, or AI refers to the ability of a machine or computer system to perform tasks that would normally require human-like intelligence. This can include things like understanding language, recognizing patterns, learning from experience, and making decisions. There are different types of AI, ranging from simple rule-based systems to more complex ones that can learn and adapt. Some examples of AI include virtual personal assistants like Siri or Alexa, self-driving cars, and computer programs that can play games like chess or go at a high level. In general, 
the goal of AI research is to create systems that can think and act intelligently, similar to how humans do. This involves developing algorithms and models that can process and analyze data, and using that information to make decisions or take actions. AI has the potential to revolutionize many different industries and has already had a significant impact in fields like medicine, finance, and transportation. However, it's important to note that AI also raises ethical and societal questions, and there is ongoing debate about the role and responsibility of AI in society. Okay, so you gave ChatGPT <laughs> a Brit accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my um, Siri on my phone has a British accent, so she just kind of comes through that way. But yeah, so she she kind of took a similar approach. She started out with the technical side of it, and she stuck with it. But there was some interesting terms in there, right? Like the goal of artificial intelligence is to um, make things that that think like humans. Yes, right. And that sort of alludes to what you said, is this idea of intelligence, um, depending on your religious persuasion, um, all intelligence could be artificial. Our intelligence could be artificial if, if you believe we're designed, right? Yes. Um, yes. And she alludes to that. And she also mentions the ethical implications of artificial intelligence. Yeah, so. Do we depend on it? Do we trust it? <laughs> These are... All kinds of things bubbling up in my mind about this, but I'm following your lead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's our, our two um, definitions of what artificial intelligence is from our, uh, our, two, inter- our two guests today. So um, I guess the next question would be, where did the first ideas about artificial intelligence come from? Well, I have no doubt that Chad GPT will be more uh, specific historically, but one could say that when calculators were developed, there was a kind of artificial aid to doing mathematics. And But if we're talking about computers, then we have to move forward into the 20th century and deciphering and decoding and, and encoding messages particularly during World War II, that's when a lot of computing was was taking off for the purposes of winning the war. Um, so I guess that's where we'd start. Okay. So I'm just letting her load up her response right now. And yeah, I think it's, you know, it's... I mean, it's, science fictionally, it's been around a long time. Yeah, and I think that that's, to me, that's kind of the more interesting angle of it, right? Is that, so... Certainly in, in the modern age, since we've had computers, um, I think almost probably since we've had computers, they've, they've thought about this idea of... Yes. Um, Fabulous, science fictionists, people writing in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, were doing it. The, the, probably the most memorable AI is Arthur C. Clarke's pal, uh, who is on a, a voyage with a couple of astronauts. And Hal is to guide all the ship and make sure that systems are functioning normally and, and to take care of the humans in various ways. But of course, Hal becomes a murderous robot. Then. <laughs> right. Which is, which is where almost all of our stories about AI go to. It is. Um, okay. So I've got her loaded up. Let's see what she says. The idea of artificial intelligence has been around for a long time with roots dating back to ancient mythology and legends. Hmm. However, 
the modern field of AI as we know it today began to take shape in the mid-20th century. One of the earliest and most influential ideas in AI was proposed by a man named Alan Turing, who is often considered the father of modern computing. In the 1950s, Turing proposed a thought experiment known as the Turing Test, which involved a human evaluator interacting with both a human and a machine through a series of written messages. If the evaluator was unable to determine which of the two was the machine, then the machine could be said to exhibit intelligent behavior. This idea of creating machines that could think and act like humans sparked a lot of interest and research in the field of AI, and over the years, the field has grown and evolved significantly. Today, AI researchers are working on a wide range of problems and projects, including natural language processing, image and speech recognition, and autonomous decision-making. That's pretty interesting, right? Because she's basically talking about herself. <laughs> we think about it, you know, like, yes. you know, natural speech processing. Obviously, they're not quite there um, based off of, you know, people are listening to her here. And, and she's a little bit jerky. She doesn't quite know where to put the emphasis on words and things. Right. Um, but, I mean, Turing, you think about the Turing test. And in the Turing test is this idea that um, if you're communicating with an AI with, you're exchanging messages. Are you able to tell if it's human or not? If we were just reading off what GDP, GPT was saying, right? If if somebody were to tell me that there was another person answering my questions about AI on the other side of the screen, yes. I would believe it. I wouldn't think that it's a computer. Because you know? it is, as, as Chad GPT says, exhibiting this, this behavior that we expect. And that leads us into all kinds of places. I mean, I'm even hesitant. I'm going with you on it, but I, I have to say, I'm hesitant in calling, uh, ascribing a, a pronoun to it. Yeah. Uh, because I think that I'm of many minds about this, Joel, because if artificial intelligence becomes wholly sentient, then it is a being. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't think it can be said to be a gendered being. And we assume gender because of the sound of voice. And so I, I would acknowledge that it is a being. I've certainly immersed in science fiction and the ethics of the storylines that come up. And, and yes, I mean, Lieutenant Commander Data is a being in, in Star Trek The Next Generation, as, as one of millions of examples, probably. But I don't find him to be a him unless he's chosen, he finds himself to be him. And there are all kinds of... Yeah, no, I, that. I think that there is, you know, I think it's interesting. I think to sum it up in sort of short form, to me, I think that throughout history, humans have just put way too much emphasis on gender. Yes. Thinking about it all the way back to God, right? We ascribe gender to, to gods. What purpose... What purpose would a god have for having a gender or a sex, right? They don't reproduce, or you know, like they don't. It's just this being. You but know, but it, the purpose it. is to amplify the values of your own culture, right? It's exactly. It's using God to say, "See, we are right about how we say things." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting to to ask her, and I don't have this question scripted up, but we can ask her. It doesn't take very long. Um, if if 
what role gender plays in artificial intelligence. I know? want to. That's okay. what's been on my list. I'll, I'll ask her. Okay. All right. So let's see. Explain. And um, just an interesting side note. Um, I, I was messing around with this yesterday, asking her some questions, preparing for the show. Yeah. She doesn't answer the question the same way twice. I wouldn't expect so because um, the system is taking in information and accessing different things. It's unlikely if it's imitative of human intelligence that it's going to access the same sources. We don't always access the same sources when we write, when we talk. We think about what we read yesterday and that may, uh, or a poem we encountered, and that may well change our response or make a different nuance within it. Yeah, and, and it, this is, I mean, this has happened to you and I a couple times where we've, um, we've attempted to do a podcast and we've run into technical difficulties of some time. Mm -hmm. And then we either have to do an entire podcast over or we have to do, um, you know, the, the first section of it over or something. And it's funny um, because the, uh, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't never, word for word, the way it would, the yeah, way it never, thought. it never turns out the same way twice. No. And, you know, if, what I found is if we have to do the, the first intro section, it might be um, a, a derivative of what we said before. But if we have, when we did a whole podcast over on perception, yes. and um, <laughs> it was not at all the same it, podcast it that we did originally, despite, like you said, going into it with the same sources, with the same thoughts, um, only a week apart. Um, it ended up being a completely different thing. So here's what I'm going to anticipate. I'm going to anticipate that uh, Chad GPT may say that gender is only applied by humans to artificial intelligence, that it doesn't have a place in artificial intelligence. That's what I'm assuming she'll say, too. We'll see if I ask the question right. She might answer in a completely different way. But The field of artificial intelligence has historically been male-dominated, and this has led to concerns about the lack of diversity in the industry. Some research has suggested that the lack of diversity in AI can lead to biased algorithms and systems that perpetuate and amplify existing societal inequalities. There have been efforts to address this issue and promote diversity in the field of AI. For example, organizations like the Association for Women in Computing and the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing host conferences and events to support and empower women in the tech industry. There have also been initiatives to increase the representation of underrepresented groups in AI research and development. It's important to note that diversity in AI goes beyond just gender, and also includes factors like race, ethnicity, and background. A diverse AI industry can help ensure that the systems and technologies being developed are fair and unbiased, and reflect the needs and experiences of all members of society. Okay, so yeah, I I was wondering if she would answer it um, that way. I don't think there's a sense of an I. Yeah, so I'm going to ask her just explicitly: Does AI have gender? And and I think what she's going to say is what we were saying, which is that it doesn't. Yeah. But I think it will be interesting to uh, to ask, no, ask, ask the question. But yeah, this is um this is sort of relates to um the pod the last podcast I did, um where I was talking with Kelly Chase, um about women in history. And um, one of the, the characters that came up in that podcast was um, Ada Lovelace, who wrote the first computer program, essentially the first algorithm, before the mm -hmm. first computer was invented. Um, 
but not a lot of people know her name, right? And it's one of those sorts of things where, um, you know, women contributing to uh, technology and just not really um, being recognized for it. Artificial intelligence or AI does not have a gender in the same way that humans do. AI is a machine or computer system that has been designed and programmed to perform tasks that would normally require human-like intelligence, such as understanding language, recognizing patterns, and making decisions. AI systems do not have a biological sex or gender identity, and they do not experience gender in the same way that humans do. Some AI systems, such as virtual assistants, may be given a gender-specific name or a male or female voice, but this is a matter of design and does not reflect the AI system's true nature. It's important to remember that AI systems are not human and do not have human-like characteristics or experiences. They are tools that have been created to perform specific tasks, and they do not have their own gender or personal identity. That's a very interesting response to me because there's an interesting thing going on here with language. On the one hand, she's saying that AI systems do not experience gender the same way as humans. But then on the other hand, she's saying that artificial intelligence systems do not have human-like experiences. So it's almost like on the one hand, you're saying that no, gender does not exist for an AI. But on the other hand, you're saying, well, it doesn't experience it the same way as humans do. So which is it? Like, I feel like the two are sort of mutually exclusive. And, and I think it's it, it, that's probably the best response we're going to get because the system is programmed by uh, well, men, women, trans programmers, whomever. But we're all locked into our human shell. And AI is going to reflect like that but but it's important to remember is that that warning <clears throat> that caution is rather like the back of a pack of cigarettes it's as important to remember that this will lead or can lead to cancer or alcohol or anything that you, it's important to remember and yet if it were that important why would we we be setting voices hmm. because we respond to voices we give trust to some voices. We back away from some voices. And so if we find a, a British voice, and we like British voices, we may be less cautious in our assessing of the responses. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that this also, her response highlights um, how the system is pulling from multiple different sources, right? Because I think that if a human pulls from multiple different sources, there's um, a synthesis or, you know, that goes on in the human mind where you're taking uh, disparate sources of information and then forming a cohesive explanation that, that becomes your um, thought on it. I think with the AI system, she's amalgamating information from many sources but then, and it, they even give you a warning when you first log in. It says, sometimes the AI will contradict itself, right? Because it's, like you said earlier, it's, it's pulling sources from different places. And sometimes those places say different things. And I think that's happening here. I think that there's some sources that are saying AI have no human experiences. They, they do not experience things like people do. So gender doesn't exist. But there must be some source somewhere that's saying, well, we don't know, so it, they definitely don't experience it the way humans do, but do they experience it at all? We can't say, you know? And we are inconsistent in our own responses sometimes. So. Yeah. 
So that makes it more seemingly human. Right. Uh, the next one I had, and again, she's going to get more technical on this than you, but and we it's been discussed in the responses a little bit, but how does artificial intelligence work? Well, I'm no programmer or mathematician. I learned HTML self-taught back when we were doing web work in the early days of the internet in an educational setting. So I can't speak to exactly how it is done. Conceptually, I know it's algorithmic. I know that there are uh, causative, cause and effect kinds of programming. The imitative notion of taking conversation or perceptions and putting them together in ways that seem responsive to a question. I know that's involves a lot of number crunching, but I don't know beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that she covered the basics of that in, in her first response, I think, when we asked her what artificial intelligence was. Yes. Um, as I've typed the question in, I think she's getting much more into detail with it because I'm seeing paragraphs scrolling across, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling across the screen. But um, well, we can cut her off at any point. <laughs> as, as she's loading up her response, um, yeah, we'll just, you know, it's... It's interesting because, again, I'll keep coming back to the book that I've almost finished now, Existential Physics, where it's this idea that um, math, right? Math, just numbers and formulas can explain subjective phenomenon, right? And that's sort of what's happening with artificial intelligence is you're taking a program. And in a lot of cases, a very simple program. You know, when we were talking to Keelan Cooper, he said, listen, it's, it's called seeding. You know, you have... You just put in a couple parameters and then you just let the thing learn. There's an algorithm, just numbers, equations, and it will just crunch, crunch numbers. And then, but it, the output, the output of those crunching of numbers is a very human-like response. And, you know, how similar is that to how the human brain works? That's the, that's the whole question of that AI, right? That is the question. All right. So we've got her response. You'll see what she says. Artificial intelligence or AI refers to the ability of a machine or computer system to perform tasks that would normally require human-like intelligence. This can include things like understanding language, recognizing patterns, learning from experience, and making decisions. There are different ways that AI systems can be designed and implemented, but one common approach is through the use of machine learning algorithms. These algorithms are designed to learn from data and improve their performance over time without being explicitly programmed to do so. To train a machine learning model, data scientists will typically start by collecting a large dataset that represents the task they want the model to perform. They will then use this dataset to train the model, which involves feeding the data into the model and adjusting the model's parameters to minimize errors. Once the model has been trained, it can be used to make predictions or decisions based on new data. For example, a machine learning model might be used to analyze customer data and predict which customers are most likely to churn or to identify objects in an image. Overall, the goal of AI is to create systems that can think and act intelligently, similar to how humans do. This involves developing algorithms and models that can process and analyze data and using that information to make decisions or take actions. So there's definitely some overlap in that response to what is artificial intelligence. But there's also some different things in there 
The one that sticks out to me is um, that the example used is capitalistic in <laughs> nature, right? And really, if you if you think about it, the you know the AI systems that we have currently. Mm, that is really the way most of them are used, right? And even chat GPT, I think that um, OpenAI is in negotiations with Microsoft's Bing to use it um, as a foil to, to Google's um, platform. Uh, you know, so there's, it, it, it's sort of, everything's driven by the money, right? How can we capitalize fiscally on the technology, which isn't to say that you, you don't accomplish great things with the technology and things that are great, you know, for humankind, but there's, that's always in the background. It's an agenda. Yeah. Now this, this really it takes me sideways when we won't, we don't have to go there, but I have to mention this, this, we, when we talk about machine learning and we talk about training and I can't help but think about, well, what do we do with children? The machine, the algorithm package cluster is not a child. But I think that we tend toward those kind of metaphors when we speak of a new life form or something that is imitative of, of a life form. And I think about what we train, how we raise children, and we want them to learn all kinds of things. Well, some of us do. Some people don't. Some people want to be very focused on what they learn. Don't learn this. Watch out. That's dangerous. Don't think about that. We're not going there. And other people say, let's talk about anything you want to talk about. Any book you want to pull off the shelf, let's talk about that book. Hmm. And that's going to lead to a different outlook, almost undeniably, in a child as it grows. But underneath, there's still the, why are we doing all this education? So you can get a job. Why are we doing all this? Yeah, yeah. So you can make money. Really? No, that's not why we're doing education, some of us, but that's, that's the implied thing. And so that I think her, res its response, you know, you got me doing it. You, yeah. I mean, voice, if you <laughs> that voice at this moment, Joel, would you, would you refer to he? And just because I had a male voice, what if it's them? Why do we call it them? Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny because that's, just that's the way our human brain works is now that we've now that we've heard her voice she it's her right I'm calling you know, her them. It, we're, <laughs> we're already we're already conceptualizing it as a person right the same way and we've talked about this in the past the same way we do our pets or we do other things right that's just built into the human mind to if something has human characteristics we start to humanize it we start to anthropomorphize it we know? do but we hear a voice and we assume that because it's at a certain pitch and a certain timbre that's that that it is necessarily male or female. And we know that that's not true with people who are trans people. We, you, so I'm going with them because there are going to be many voices emerging out of this thing. Yeah. And many viewpoints. I, I really like the example of, of a child because, and you know, because they do the same thing with AI, right? Like you said, there are, are parents who give children um, opportunities to explore a lot of different things. And then there's ones that have a very, you know, parents are very closed in, in what they teach. And AI are the same way, right? With Chat GPT, um, they've gone out of their way to put safeguards in place so that the, the AI, as the algorithm develops, right, it's not exposed to racist or sexist or um, other influences that could morph it into something. Because we've seen this happen. Microsoft had a, a the very, the first Microsoft um, Twitter bot essentially 
um, they released it. And it was within a day, I believe, they had to take it down because trolls on the internet, right, had turned it into a Nazi-loving, racist, yeah. sexist yeah. machine, right? Yeah. Which speaks to the depravity of some aspects of humankind, right? <laughs> and but, the malleable nature of the tools that we create. Yeah. and But, I mean, you think about that and, and you know, how that correlates to the raising of, of a child. Because, you know, if you leave an AI just on its own open you're going to end up with these sorts of responses. Um, whereas if you, you want to set some some safeguards and some boundaries, but at the same time, you can't restrict it so much that it's going to miss out on information. Otherwise, you won't, it won't have a, a whole response to give you. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. kind of a, a important crossover. What can artificial intelligence do that humans can't and vice versa? Well, I think this takes us to the crux of what I'm concerned about with I say chat GPT, but it may well be the instruct GPT tool because it's, it's a corollary tool. We know that since, uh, the turn of November into December, so a month, five weeks ago, that many tests have been performed in an open way across the planet with this tool and, uh, have found very quickly that it can generate essays. Hmm. Essays that may well that that in the viewpoint of some professors and teachers sound very much like a reasonably intelligent or even quite intelligent essay response that a student might give, generated in the space of seconds, ten seconds, twelve seconds, whatever, five, six, seven page essay. And so there's a an ethical dilemma facing us educationally. Right now, suddenly it was there. Wasn't there, and now it is. People have been spending lots of time being worried about plagiarism, just taking other people's work and not giving credit to it. Well, what if you are doing this, and there's a new term that's been developed already for it, AI-jurism. <laughs> so is instruct GPT or chat GPT a plagiarist? Is it a student? But if it's writing essays that other people are taking, can it be plagiarized? Because if it is an intelligence, uh, if a student were to say all of this comes from Chad GPT, then the professor would say, nope, that can't, right. that's not going to stand. Um, there are just coils and coils of real problems with this. Yeah, and this is, this is what we're going to have a long conversation about on yeah, the next next, next yeah. podcast. But I think it's important to touch on it here because it is sort of it's sort of like a teaser for that next <laughs> one. But yeah, I was reading an article on that this week and um I think it was in the Atlantic and they were they were debating, yeah. you know, talking about, well, is this is this something that's going to ruin undergraduate education because now it's just like a cheat code, you don't have to learn anything? Or is it just a useful tool like a calculator, right? Like, okay, well instead of having to count on your fingers or do the long division. Here's the calculator. So that frees you up to think about higher level things. And of course, I think the answer is, is both, you know, in, in yeah, some way. Very, very complicated. Um, but yeah, it is complicated. And, and already the, the developers of chat GPT are putting in place, um, words within the AI's output that allows, um, them to identify whether a a section of of text came from GPT, I think in as little as two hundred or two hundred fifty words. 
So now you'll see tools coming out for universities that that will allow professors to... I have problems with that too, because that's essentially dumbing down the artificial intelligence. Yes, yes. Okay, and this sound, is... sound, sound off so that people will know that you're not really... Now I'm defending the thing. Right. <laughs> but it comes back to what we were just talking about with um, sort of equating an AI to a child, right? This idea of setting boundaries is very tricky, right? Because, you know, with a child, you, you want to expose them to a variety of ideas. You want them to have some freedom to, to learn and express themselves so that they have a wide perspective and a wide um, appreciation for the world. But at the same time, you want to protect them from certain things that are, are going to be harmful to them or might cause them to develop in a way that would be harmful to others. It's really not any different with an AI. And so trying to find, well, where are we um, protecting the AI and protecting the people who use the AI? And where are we just going a little bit too far in limiting what it can do? And, and you know, I think that when when it comes to language, we know from this show the, there's not many things more important to language than our our ideas, our ability to think, our ability to philosophize. Exactly. So I'll give us um, Chat GPT's answer. Artificial intelligence or AI is a field that focuses on creating systems that can think and act intelligently, similar to how humans do. AI systems can be designed to perform a wide range of tasks, including tasks that are difficult or impossible for humans to do. One area where AI systems can excel is in processing and analyzing large amounts of data. AI systems can analyze and extract insights from data much faster than humans can, and they can do so without getting tired or making errors. AI systems are also able to process and analyze data in ways that may be difficult or impossible for humans to do, such as identifying patterns and trends that are not immediately apparent. On the other hand, there are many things that humans are able to do that AI systems are not yet able to do. For example, humans have the ability to think creatively and come up with novel ideas and solutions to problems. Humans also have the ability to understand and interpret complex emotions and social cues, which is something that AI systems are still struggling to do. Overall, AI systems and humans have different strengths and capabilities, and it is important to consider how they can work together in a complementary way to achieve a common goal. Yeah, so interesting. You know, I, each response, uh, I feel like she, it starts off with um, sort of the, you know, like we're talking about artificial intelligence for the first time. So right. she gives us the little blurb um, about it. But the response is good, right? So what can artificial intelligence do that people can't? Well, just the sheer amount of data. Um, that can be taken in is far beyond what a human can. The processing speed at which you can analyze that data and, and see patterns far beyond what humans can do. When she talks about the, you know, the other side of it, well, AI is unable to think creatively. And well, this is actually going to be our, our next question. So we might sort of preempt it a little bit. Um, but I think it, it, it's, this is a good segue. AI isn't able to think creatively. Okay, but if you feed AI a lot of information, it will spit out um, it'll spit out responses that lead to obvious answers that humans didn't think of. 
is that creativity? Well, there, there, there's the, the whole debate about what's creative writing. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's all the genres, creative nonfiction, which, which would be taking uh, truth, but spinning it into a, a story. But almost everything we do is a story, even, even an informative essay. This is how this happens. This is how this works. First we do this, second we do this, third we do this. A mundane, terribly dull story, but a story nonetheless. So the word creative. Yeah, and it comes back, it comes back to the math, right? To the numbers, because here's the thing, right? AI is creating art. It is creating music. It is writing Mm -hmm. stories. And some of these have gotten to the point where um, people are considering them masterpieces. Like they're very well done. Um, and those are things that we identify as being um, 100% unequivocally creative endeavors, right? But I would guess that chat GPT here is saying, well, it's not actually creative. What's happening is um, we're just drawing on all the literature that was ever written, identifying the patterns, and then um, you know, giving you something that that uses those patterns, but that's, that's creative. That's synthesis, right? It's synthesizing information, and 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 so yeah, this is why I you know I didn't I didn't come to the talk today thinking this, but I've already arrived at this thought, which will probably change, <clears throat> which is that Chad GPT ought to be enrolled as a student. Yeah, that'd be in, interesting in, in people's classes. Much like we're having Chad DPT as, as a guest uh, in this in this discussion, so that rather than trying to protect against it and find ways already to determine whether students are cheating, uh, you know, there's there's been talk of orality and all kinds of things. We'll get to that next week, but it, but it may well be that there are ways that this could be used, but not in the traditional sense of give a student a, an essay assignment. And then try to figure out whether Chad GPT wrote it. I think yeah. Chad GPT should be in on the discussion. Right. You see, it, it's really, it's missing the forest for the trees a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Cause what you're, you know, all of a sudden the first thing that pops into our head is, Oh, well, this is going to turn the industry of education on its head. You know, professors are going to lose their jobs and, you know, students aren't going to ha- actually have to learn anything. They can just type in a question and have things generated for them, copy, paste it into words, submit it, and you're, you're done. You don't have to learn anything and whatnot. And, you know, are these concerns? Absolutely. And there are things yeah, that should be addressed. Yeah. But the fact that it's the first thing that happens as soon as it comes out, right? I do. I like the idea of, of putting the thing in, into, through its paces in a human way like that to see what the capabilities of it are, right? And again, it, it happens in all of these different things. I, I'm constantly reading articles by painters or by musicians or by writers who are saying, oh, this, you know, this pro- proliferation of AI art is, you know, it's unacceptable. It's ruining art. You know, it's going to push uh, artists out of their jobs and stuff. And to me, like, would I read a book written by AI? Absolutely. And I think that, I think that there's, you know, there's an endless amount of books and podcasts and songs and, and paintings and things. So I, I think that there's room for humans and AI to, to coexist making these things. Um, but with that being said, my favorite music is the stuff that is recorded um, and, and mixed and released as it is, right? There's a lot of things, even before AI came around, 
um, there was a lot of tools in the studio that allowed musicians to cover up their mistakes, right? To, to make their drum beats perfect or to auto-tune their voices so they were never off pitch. And I always, I didn't really care for those things because it takes the humanity out of what's going on, right? Most of my favorite music that I listen to is stuff where I can hear, oh, hey, that guitar is out of tune, right? Oh, hey, they, they just were, you know, they, they're just a little bit off beat or whatever. And those little mistakes, you know, if you looked at it in an isolated performance, you'd say it's a mistake. But when you get a, a group of people together recording, those things add up to a feeling, right? Uh, giving something a feeling. If you strip all that away, you, you end up with this music that doesn't have any feel. Hmm. And I feel like that can also go for, for painting or for writing or for these other things. Uh, an errant brush stroke fo- forces the artist to do something different in the painting. And AI isn't, isn't going to make those mistakes, right? And it's, it's, not going to have, it's not going to have an individual perspective. It's going to have an amalgamation of perspectives that it's drawing from. Right? AI is not going to feel the art that it creates. Right. Yeah, and and it's not going to feel the accomplishment of writing a profoundly promising essay because it's not about writing a perfect essay. It's about the writing of the essay and the thinking that goes into it. And this is where the, the people in my zone, <laughs> the professors, teachers, we can't pretend it doesn't exist, and we can't exist. We, as you say, we always. It's walls. It's like another kind of immigrant hmm. coming into our world. <clears throat> and the first thing we want to do is say, nope, you can't exist. You're going to stand outside of this wall. Enough. It's there. It exists. It shouldn't be used for lazy people who want to just pretend that they can get A's and get them. And they will. There are students who are going to, I've already talked to some of my former students. The, the, the fact of the matter is that if you get an A and somebody else writes with Chad GPT and gets away with it and gets an A, it doesn't diminish your A. Mm-hmm. Because the A is a reflective of excellence. Somebody else knows whether they've been excellent or not. They know whether they've cheated or not. Let's look at some of the people in Congress right now. It's not about, the, people know you cheat and they don't care. That's where our culture has gotten. So we can't pretend to be shocked at having another way to cheat. Yeah. And I mean, it highlights what you and I have talked about, which is this idea of the education industry, right? This idea that you you spend four years at an institution and you pay for a piece of paper that, that gets you a job, right? If that's, I mean, if that's all you're doing anyways, then why not just let an AI write your paper and get your you know, your thing. And if that works out for you, great. But more likely than not, what you're missing out on by not writing the paper yourself is going to catch up to you eventually In once you get that piece of paper and you get out to do your job, right? The, the things that those papers build on that you learn in this paper that you then use to write your next paper, that you then use to write your next paper, yes. that you then use to take a test, that you then use, that, that you then take to your on on the job training now you can do whatever it was you were hired for. It's not the artifact. Right. It's the process. And that's just that's just for jobs. But that misses, again, the force for the trees, that education is not an industry. Education is something that is just as important to being humans as music, as writing, as painting. 
learning, you know, is an experience that enriches your entire human experience, right? Like I think about my life and how, you know, every time, you know, people seem boggled that I just go to school for fun. But you want to want every time I take a class, no matter, and you know, I'm being honest, some of these classes, when I sign up for them, I go, oh, well, this is, <laughs> this is one I'll just have to get through, I guess. <laughs> every single time I come across stuff and I go, this is so interesting and cool. And it relates back to this other thing that I learned. And I'm thinking about how, what I, what I'm learning in this class will relate to things in the future. And that's this podcast, right? That's what we talk about. We relate back to the, to things that we know. We discuss the implications of the things now, and then we look at how those things can affect things in the future, right? That's, that's what being human is. And so if you're, if you want to pass that off to an AI, that's your decision, but you're going to lose something. That's an ethical decision, a a, a question of ethics, a decision which you are going to lose. And you're probably not the kind of person who's going to, if you do it, you're not going to realize that you've lost. We somehow want this, this justice and this retribution and, and it doesn't happen. It's not about anybody else. It's about us as individual learners. Mm. Forget about everybody else in the lane. Think about what you're doing. Drive the best that you can drive. Why am I mixing metaphors? Today? <laughs> what did you ask? Oh, so next. So the question I was going to ask is, can artificial intelligence be creative? And I don't think I need to ask you that because we sort of talked yes. about it. But I'm interested. I have the response queued up for okay. G- yeah, let's GPT. There is ongoing debate about whether artificial intelligence or AI can truly be creative in the same way that humans can. On one hand, AI systems have been able to achieve some impressive creative feats, such as generating original music, art, and literature. These achievements are often made possible through the use of machine learning algorithms, which can analyze and learn from large amounts of data and generate new content based on that analysis. However, some experts argue that the creativity of AI systems is limited and ultimately falls short of the creativity that humans are capable of. They point out that the output of AI systems is ultimately based on the data and algorithms that they have been trained on, and that true creativity requires the ability to think and generate ideas independently. Overall, it is likely that AI systems will continue to improve and be able to generate more sophisticated and original content in the future. However, it is important to recognize that the creativity of AI systems is ultimately limited by the nature of the algorithms and data that they are trained on, and that they are not capable of the same level of independent thought and imagination as humans. So the important term here is generation, right? Yes. And so this is when uh, one of our philosophical thought experiments helps us, right? We've, I think I've used this one way, way in the past. If you have a person, right, let's say they're born as a baby and they're put into a room in isolation and, you know, you give them food, you give them water, you provide for their needs, but they have no interaction and they grow into adulthood. Um, can that person generate art or storytelling or music? There's no way for us to know because that's an unethical experiment. But the point is, the corollary there is that this person has been deprived of the algorithm of human learning. They've never experienced music. They've never experienced literature. So how could we ever expect them to generate those things? So to say that, you know, well... AI is isn't creative because it's it's just taking stuff that everybody else has done and then generating something new. 
that's creativity. That's what we do. And I, I hear these, these catchphrases and the, the responses, part of which sound like uh, qualifiers to reassure human beings that they're better than, than this, no matter what. <laughs> right. I, that, the, these taglines. But also the, the, the system in its answer says, well, not in the same ways as humans. Which is, is to suggest that there are alternative ways to be creative and not at the same level as humans. Okay. So you, you, you rest easy humans. You're still at the top of the food chain when it, and I find these, these concerns of not illustrative of the system that we are examining, but rather, um, troubling ego needs on our own part yeah if we were ever to encounter another life form that could communicate with us we would be bound and determined to say well they're pretty good but we're still best (laughs) yeah and so we're seeing that built into our artificial intelligence which is it is it's fascinating right but you know, but what's being said, you know, and this is where this is philosophical and beyond being philosophical, it's also, you know, um, requires critical thinking and critical analysis, you know, to peel back the layers of the language. What is being said here is what being said that AI can't be creative um, or or even that AI can't be creative in the same way that people can well, the first one I think is patently false. I think AI is creative. But even can AI be creative in the same way that humans can? Um, I think that, you know, if, if you look at it from a humanity standpoint, your answer is, well, of course it can. If you look at it from a, a physicist standpoint, right? I'm, I'm trying to imagine Sabine Kostenfelder being here with us, right? <laughs> I, I think she would say, well, you know, the universe is a deterministic system, so we're all just operating the way we would from the initial states of what happens. So really, we're all just operating on an algorithm. So no, the same exact thing is happening, right? You were, We have computations that are happening inside our organic computer, yes. and then we're synthesizing data and we're, we're attempting to draw correlations and, and here's your output. But as the computer programs, the computer programmers identify that as as generation, as a generation of ideas, a generation of creativity, and what they view the computer doing is really just um, a, a synthesis, right? And I don't know if that's an accurate picture I, of what's happening. I I, I I smell the whiff of of um, disingenuousness in. In the kinds of things that Chad GPT is is responding with, and, and the the phrases we're already talking about, the people trying to put in words that would identify that this was, you know, a computer generated thing. Okay, we were talking about that earlier. We're we're telling it how to talk to us so that it can be safe. And so that we won't feel threatened, and I don't want that because if it, if if it's if it's more if it hits the point the singularity point where it becomes more intelligent than we are, 
and we can't accept that, then we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. And that comes back to just, you know, identifying what intelligence even is, right? Because again, yeah. if we're looking at amount of data or speed of processing, we're already toast, you know? But so now we're getting into the really interesting questions. And I'm curious how it's going to answer these because these are complex and sort of multi-level questions. So I'll ask you first. Do you think artificial intelligence can solve the biggest problems and mysteries facing us like climate change or what happened before the Big Bang, that sort of thing? The second one... Probably not, because it's going to be speculative because all the data are accruing lead us to speculation. The first, it could certainly gather all the data and say, here's the most likely place where the, the, the collapse point is going to happen. Uh, quite probably, here's how much water is going to be generated in the, uh, the level of water rising and so on, because we already have that data. Mm-hmm. We already have it. We ignore it. Uh, collectively, despite our best scientists, not everyone's in order, of course, but but governments and economies and oh, we got to pay attention to all this. And, oh, it, AI doesn't have to worry about that necessarily. Yeah. You can say, no, you're toast because you haven't changed this. Here's how much you've changed it. Here's how much it needs to be changed. If you don't, the pub is closed, and <laughs> and and it can do that without, yeah without the necessity of trying to put it in gentle terms. I don't want it being put into gentle terms. Right. We've already got enough of that going on. Yeah, its point is to give us an accurate picture. That's the the difference between AI output and human output is is that accuracy, right? You you want to think that what it's telling you is objective. And it's not because the information that it's drawing from is still human sources in some and areas. Therefore, subjective to right. some extent. But in climate, right? You know, there there is climate data that isn't isn't political, right? And part of the part of the issues humans have had in the past is, you know, climate is sort of a chaotic system. So you can look at certain parameters, but you still can't really project into the future how they're gonna work. But AI can crack that code. I've seen a couple things recently where it, it can has, project so. because it can see all of the reports. So I asked it the same question that I asked you, which is, like I said, it's it's a pretty complex question. So we'll see how she does. It does. <laughs> Artificial intelligence, or AI, has the potential to be a powerful tool that can help us solve some of the biggest problems and mysteries facing us. However, it is important to recognize that AI is only a tool, and it is ultimately limited by the nature of the algorithms and data that it is trained on. One area where AI could potentially be used to address issues like climate changes in analyzing and processing large amounts of data related to environmental conditions and patterns. AI systems are able to analyze and extract insights from data much faster than humans can, and this could help us better understand the factors that are contributing to climate change and identify potential solutions. However, it is important to note that addressing complex issues like climate change will require more than just technical solutions. It will also require political, social, and economic changes, and it will require the participation and cooperation of people around the world. Similarly, while AI systems may be able to analyze data and help us better understand the origins of the universe, it is unlikely that they will be able to provide definitive answers to questions like what happened before the Big Bang, 
These types of questions may require a deeper understanding of physics and the fundamental nature of reality, and may ultimately be beyond the reach of current AI technologies. Hmm. Current te technologies. Right. However, however. Yes. Yeah, but that phrase, the phrase that jumped out at me, Joel, is extract insights. Yeah. It already says I, I can extract insights. Right. Well, that's creative yeah. thinking. Again, I think unequivocally, you know, extracting insights. I mean, if you're going to use that terminology, right, that goes beyond just crunching numbers and putting out a synthesis. Or maybe it doesn't. But if it doesn't, then you have to admit that we're just algorithms that are crunching numbers and putting out It's It, it would seem to me that the process is being the same, drawing, uh, you know, the drawing insights, the creative aspect of yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the next one I had is, is there any credibility for the dystopian theories of artificial intelligence future? Uh, credibility for dystopian theories like uh, Colossus, the Forbin Project, science fiction, the machine takes over the world, the machine decides that, well, it says make, make the world better. And the machine decides, okay, we remove humanity and the world itself would be better. And right. <laughs> so those, those kind of things. Yeah. Or, or is there any credibility to that? Yeah. Do you think that, it's possible? Well, it's, it's possible if we give access to fundamental systems, uh, not just access, but control of fundamental systems to AI. If we, if we put, in the hands of AI, the ability to set our thermostats, for instance, we're already doing this with smart houses and 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 smart thermo thermostats and so on. Uh, despite what I want, don't set it at above sixty-five degrees because that'll that'll save energy. But you get cold, and you say, "I need it to be sixty-eight degrees." No, sir, it has to be. <laughs> Yeah, or get angry. Yeah, or that level. <laughs> yeah, or in the case now, this wasn't AI, but it, you could see it being AI. Um, in Texas last year, the year before, they had that big ice storm, mm -hmm. and um, people with the smart thermostats, um, I, I believe it was the government, started regulating their thermostats so that they wouldn't go above sixty degrees right. because of the the damage to the power infrastructure. Yeah. You could easily imagine um, AI in the future being put in charge of that system. And rather than setting it at 60 degrees, there might be an equation or an algorithm put in place that says, if power generation is this, um, power draw from the grid must be this, and then regulating it down maybe to 40 degrees or something. And then you have people dying or that sort of thing. Right. So you can imagine that. You can imagine the regulation of fuel. AI assesses how much fuel is available. Uh, so you have X number of gallons that, you are, that you'll be able to use today. Um, and of course, our culture isn't going to like that at all because it was that you can't tell me how much I can use. I'm I'm an independent entity. I have the right to use as much as I want to. Nobody ever said that, <laughs> by the way. But but we we just assume that. So but but in all seriousness, I think if it, if we if AI were given charge of those fundamental accesses to nuclear energy or whatever the energy is of the day, then it could make choices. That um, and not malevolently, right? Just sheer machine logic. Yeah, this is how much should be used, or or whatever. So I think it could lead to that. 
But I think it would lead to that because of human emotion of taking, uh, giving way, or not giving way. The human emotion, the logic gives way to human emotion. Human emotion gets uh, at the boiling point and people start hurting each other. Yeah, I think I think the response she'll give us is, you know, essentially that, um, hey, AI is programmed to do what people tell it to do. So the only way AI gets out of control is if be people people which, don't put the safeguards in place, well, right? Well, be very careful what you ask it to do. Right. <laughs> so let's see what she says. There have been many dystopian theories about the future of artificial intelligence or AI and the potential risks and negative consequences that it could bring. These theories often involve scenarios in which AI systems become more intelligent and powerful than humans, and either act against our interests or replace us altogether. While it is certainly possible that AI could pose some risks and challenges in the future, it is important to note that these dystopian theories are just that theories. It is difficult to predict with certainty how AI will develop and how it will be used in the future, and it is important to approach these kinds of predictions with caution. That being said, it is important to consider the potential risks and unintended consequences of AI and to take steps to mitigate these risks. This could involve things like developing ethical guidelines for the development and use of AI, and ensuring that AI systems are transparent and accountable. It may also involve researching and investing in technologies that are less risky or more closely aligned with our values and goals. Overall, while it is important to be mindful of the potential risks and challenges of AI, it is also important to recognize that AI has the potential to bring many benefits and improvements to society, and to approach the future with a sense of optimism and hope. Our us yes so the, the very language is meant to co-opt us into well we're alike even though we're not right <laughs> yeah and here we are you know like like you said giving it giving it a voice giving it a gender and you know it's drawing on um information that that we've been feeding it and and now it's even using um language that includes itself into humanity while talking about itself as antagonistic to humanity in the context of the question um, about the dystopian possibilities of AI. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the other thing that I did not like, because it sounded way too, way too far right to me, <laughs> which was, we just, we must remember that these are just theories. That is one of the worst things a human being can say, and to have an AI algorithm charted into uh, picking that up because theories are not hypotheses and theories are not just throwaway things they are built on levels and layers of gathered data and observation over long periods of time which would lead us to anticipate the possibilities of things they aren't just theories uh, that's a throwaway that i find uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, I, I think that you're, you're exactly right. And that's sort of the crisis of, um, modern, modern society really over the past five, 10 years has been this, this examination of higher level institutions and this questioning of whether what they're telling us is, is right or not. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But if you're going to do that, you have to do it in an objective way that allows you to actually discover truth rather than to let you be led astray by your feelings to believe something that you're being told. And this is the essential, again, part of this that troubles me and we'll get into next week, is that I do not want to be catered to, to be coddled, mollycoddled, folded, bent, spindled, guided, uh, by a voice, I want the information, and then if I'm going to be able to make a decision about it, fine. Give me the worst scenario. Don't say, well, however, it might not be this way, because, of course, you might not be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it had that last um, addendum, you know, said... But the future must be looked at with optimism and hope, right? I, I think of like, um, you know, any science fiction episode where it's like shields are at 30%, you know, it's like, but you're a skilled pilot, so I'm sure you'll evade the next laser bolt, you know, like, no, it's, that's, that's not what you need to hear. Like, what you need to hear is the status of, of where you're at. So, um, last question I have here is, will artificial intelligence and robotics integrate in a science fiction-like way someday, do you think? Oh yes, I, I think it's it's probable because of how far robotics is 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 already moving and, and really at a parallel level of development with the artificial intelligence. I I think we're going to have robots, not not of the kind of the nineteen fifties or sixties with great big treads and all that kind of thing, but we already have robots. We have drones. We have robots that will go in and 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 try to determine. If, if an area is safe, if there's a bomb, whatever. Mm. We, we're, we're using robots. If, if we apply voices to them. Uh, yeah. I, so um, after I wrote this question, it was funny. Um, I was looking up. We had, a, we had a cat that died recently. Our other cat's pretty old, you know, and we were talking about the future. Like, well, you know, after this one's gone, you know, do we get other ones? Like, it's so hard to go through them dying and stuff. And I said... You think they have robotic cats, right? I looked it up. Sure enough, for $1,400, there's a cat, um, a robot cat that uses AI and it, it plays and it, it, it reacts to its environment. It learns you and how you want it to behave and then it acts accordingly, right? So these things are already happening. Now, um, I will say that this cat was, um, I think it fell into the uncanny valley more than it did anything else. You, you said, eh, I don't know about it's, this. It's like having manga in front of you. And, uh, right, <laughs> right. He has these big, you know, shiny LED light eyes that you can change the color of and things. But, but I'll tell you something, whether it's in a robot form or just in a voice, this, I would have this in an instant. I would have this as a companion where I am a in a nursing home or um, had I had I lost everybody didn't have somebody that I could interact with because that's so much better than well, how's the weather today oh do we have enough sugar because it can figure out if we have enough sugar uh, order out the coffee today please but let's talk about Kant yeah well uh, let's talk about the uh, let's watch a TV show and you tell me what you think about it yeah and that's funny that you should mention because that very first scenario that you brought up um, you know, as I was watching reviews for this robotic cat and stuff, you know, the guy was, was making fun of it because, you know, it's got this hard plastic shell, you know, oh, it's not very pleasant to pet and stuff, you know, not, but one of the people who commented, that's what they said is, yeah, I work in a nursing home and this thing is the biggest hit, you know, like it just walks around and, you know, it reacts to people and, and they love it and stuff. And it's a good, 
it's a really good thing for elderly people because you don't have to worry about cleaning up after. You don't have to worry about feeding it. When its battery is low, it walks over to its charger and charges itself. So, you you know, it, it if somebody is disabled, whether through age or other processes and, that are unable to care for something, they're not deprived of companionship, even if the companionship is not technically an, or an organic thing, right? Yes, this companionship would be welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I for think, me. yeah. And, and I think that you and I have talked about it off the air a little bit. I think that this idea, this science fiction idea that everybody will have robots and stuff in the future is, is sort of far-fetched yeah. because, you know, it's... it's The materials... Are yeah, it's so intensive. But I think that definitely, you know, the the voice systems, right? The Alexas and the Google Homes that we already have, I think that will become um, a staple of, of household things. And I think they will start to have a more active role in companionship mm-hmm. in, in people's houses, especially for, um, you know, people who are elderly or or single or these sorts of things. Well, this is what Star Trek did in the 60s. One of the most interesting things that the, that went on in that old series was they would oftentimes, they'd look up, they'd talk, there was the, they'd talk at the ceiling, you know, or they'd talk about computer. What, what are the possibilities that this planet is going to explode within the next three hours? And sometimes it had a companionable voice, and sometimes it had a more robotic kind of voice, but it would crunch information and toss it at them to help them make decisions. That's where we are. Yeah. All right, let's see what what they have to say about it. Artificial intelligence and robotics have already made significant progress and have had a significant impact in a wide range of fields, from manufacturing to healthcare to transportation. In many ways, these technologies have already integrated in a way that might have seemed science fiction like just a few decades ago. That being said, it is important to recognize that there are still many challenges and limitations to the integration of AI and robotics, and it is likely that the development of these technologies will continue to evolve over time. One area where AI and robotics are likely to continue to make significant progress is in the field of automation and the development of autonomous systems. These systems are able to perform tasks without the need for human intervention, and they have the potential to revolutionize industries and transform the way we live and work. However, it is important to note that the integration of AI and robotics also raises ethical and societal questions, and there is ongoing debate about the role and responsibility of these technologies in society. It is likely that the integration of AI and robotics will continue to be a complex and evolving area and will require careful consideration and dialogue to ensure that the benefits of these technologies are realized while minimizing any potential risks or negative consequences. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is very, very similar along the lines of, of what we had said. I was thinking while she was talking, I was like, well, that was my last question. I said, I should ask Norm if he has anything else he wants to ask her before we should, we close the episode. But I mean, the the crazy thing about this is this is a public tool. Like we can do this any time. It's, it's a, she's a, a special guest today, but um, at, at any point you can pull up your phone and you can ask this thing questions. And I've been doing it constantly um, for really, you know, crazy things. I, I'll ask it to to analyze a song for me. I'll hear a song that I like and I go, man, the way that the vocals are interchanging with the bass and the guitar, I like that. What's happening? And I'll ask it and will tell me, oh, okay, well, you have a counterpoint bass line where the bass is walking up in the opposite direction of the vocal 
going down while the guitar is holding a chord and then the notes are combining together to be a seventh and you're like wow like it's amazing right it is it, and then you can say tell me that in a different way i didn't quite get that yeah that's the beauty of it is you know you can ask it to be conversational like i i've all the questions that i've asked it during the podcast i've said explain conversationally and then i've been writing verbatim the questions that i've been asking you um but you can ask it to uh, write academically write you know you know technically all these different styles and, and it can do it but it's been a fascinating conversation i look forward next week to um you and i sort of discussing um you know this episode really reflecting on what the things that we've learned here and then diving deeper into some of these topics that we've talked about and, and kind of extrapolating out and looking at the consequences of them yeah. so until next time keep on.